Good evening. Just uh, thank God for the um, for grace. Thank God for the thing that He's doing, and I do pray tonight that the Lord will speak to all of our hearts through the Scripture. And most important, I pray that pray that the Lord God be glorified, and because uh, that's what's important. And so I want to. Um, we'll be getting to the Scripture shortly, and I'm gonna pray again briefly. I just just always desire my heart to do that. But we're gonna be tonight. We'll be in the Old Testament for the most part tonight, and my uh, core script, if you will, will be First King, um, be First King eleven one through thirteen. So, but it'll be a little bit before I get to those right there. But again, I'm just I just praise the Lord for being here, and just pray that God will speak to all of our hearts through the Scripture. Father, I thank you, God, for everything that you have done, that you're doing. I thank you, God, because your grace is so amazing. Your love, sometimes our human words can't even describe. It's uh, you, Lord. God, when a man is lost in his sins and he is, and he gets saved, get born again, and Lord, then he recognizes and realizes how good God really is. So, Father, I pray tonight that you will give us all ears to hear what you say to us. Lord, because this is all about you, it's for your glory. And Father, I pray that we always here at Grace will lift up the word of God more than anything, Lord, that you will be lifted up on high, that you will be the king of our hearts, that we will adhere to your words, Lord, and that we would live with repentant hearts. Often we hear Pastor Mike say that about being having a repentant heart, but on a continual basis. So Father, we just magnify you in Jesus' name, amen. Again, I just, you know, uh, just thank the Lord, you know, for the service tonight. But uh, I want to read, uh, the intent is to dive into Solomon's life, at least to a certain degree. Probably won't be able to cover everything, but I pray that it will affect us, you know. And uh, I, I believe, like, uh, in 1 Corinthians fifteen four, the scripture talk about whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instructions, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. And so when I look at the Old Testament, the things that are written, and I see stories about a person's life, maybe where they messed up or whatever the case may be, and I often try to look at myself as well, Lord, knowing that this could be any of us, you know. And so that's why when the scripture is written, we have to take heed. Sometimes somebody may be going through a challenge of facing something, and maybe they may error, and we will... We should pray for them, if nothing else, versus kind of uh, pushing them down. So, again, we're going to kind of dive, I'm going to dive into uh, Solomon's life. And uh, uh, so let's, let's go to um, First King, and, uh, let's go to, and I'm going to start. Actually, like I say, it's going to be the, the 11th chapter, but what I want to do prior to that, I just want to get some observations about Solomon, and then we'll go uh, to those particular scriptures. So, but First King would be the book that we'll be in tonight. I was just looking up, uh, looking up Solomon's name, and uh, what I discovered was that, well, Solomon, I believe, means peace, but Solomon also had another name that was given to him, and if I'm, I hope I pronounce it correctly, but it's like Jedediah, and what that meant was, um, I made a note, Jedediah, beloved of the Lord. So what we're going to see about Solomon, you know, and obviously it was King David's son, he 
took over after his father passed and so forth. And uh, he could arguably say that Solomon was probably one of the greatest kings in Israel. But uh, in, in 1 Kings 3.3, it talks about how Solomon loved the Lord and he walked in the statues of his father David. And so what we'll see as we do these observations, we'll see that Solomon was indeed a man of God. Indeed, he, you know, uh, lived his life. At least we'll see here at the beginning anyway, according to what the scripture said. And uh, so again, that uh, he loved the Lord. He was walking. He walked in the statue of his father, David. First uh, King three, six, seven talked about. Uh, I'm going to read that one. First King three, six, seven. It says that uh, Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness. He was in prayer to your servant, David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you, and you have reserved for him a, this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. So Solomon said, you know, basically he, was, he showed humility in his prayer, you know, and he probably was young at the time and probably was very inexperienced on leading such a great nation. But I marvel by how he prayed and, and uh, how he prayed in terms of his humility in his prayer. And uh, 1 King uh, 3.28 talk, uh, will talk about uh, how the people saw God's wisdom in Solomon's life. So 1 King 3.28 says, when all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw the wisdom of God was in, was in him to administer justice. So Solomon lived, and the people knew that God was with him. They saw that particular incident was the incident where Solomon made a, a wise decision how to determine whose child belonged to these two ladies. But the point is, is the fact that he used God's wisdom. And the scripture here said the people saw that. They saw his wisdom. So I think, again, what these scriptures trying to show us is what kind of relationship that Solomon had with the Lord and how he carried himself. And um, 1 King 4.29, uh, 4.24 says that God gave Solomon peace in his day. In David's day, David was a warrior, so he was in battles all the time. But in Solomon's day, the peace, it was God's peace. So therefore, he was able to build the kingdom for the Lord. And so again, Solomon's name means peace, so he was living out who he was. And uh, 1 Kings 4, 29 through 34, 1 Kings 20, uh, 4, 29 says, now God, listen to where his wisdom come from. Now, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and, and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all the men than Ethan, the, uh, these names will get me now, uh, than Ethan, the uh, Hezrite, Heman, Kakol, Darda, the sons of uh, Mahol. And his fame was known in the, all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees and cedar that is in Lebanon, even in the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. Men came from all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So we know that according to scripture that Solomon was a wise man. And, uh, and then in uh, 1 King 8, 61, it says, Solomon gave charge to all the people to be wholly devoted to the Lord. 
and 1 King 9-1, God appeared to Solomon twice in his life. So I want to just kind of read that to give kind of a little overview about uh, uh, the kind of relationship that he had with the Lord. And we see that he prayed. We know that his name meant that, you know, beloved of the Lord or uh, Solomon mean peace. Uh, we know that he was humble in his prayer life. We know that uh, he did everything that God called him to do in the beginning of his life. And so and he lived according to what God said. So as we go on down, uh, but at the same time, God gave uh, prohibitions for the kings of Israel. And we're going to see that what happened with, uh, when God gave a prohibition and to the king, you know, he did it for a specific reason. And way back in Deuteronomy 17, if you'll turn there, Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17, we're going to see where God specifically spoke to the, uh, about the kings, and this was back in Moses' day, so we know that he was speaking of a future time whenever, the, whenever Israel had their own kings. And uh, so God gave specific instructions for them. And just like with us, he gave us instructions, but unfortunately for us, just like Solomon, sometimes we don't follow God's instruction all the way, and we'll see what transpired in his life. Uh, Again, Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17. The Lord says, when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you and you possess it and live in it and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around you, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen. You shall set a king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourself who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he call the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, since the Lord has said to you, you should never again return that way. He should not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart shall be turned, will be turned away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. So God gave these prohibitions. And you know, when I read the scripture, when God give us a command, as like he gave the Ten Commandments, God's serious about what he saying. So oftentimes the day we live and we kind of take the word of God for granted. But as we'll see, people did it back then as well. But God gave prohibitions. And when we break a command that, that God said, just it's an uh, example. The Bible say in, in Romans, I believe it is, that the wages of sin is death. I mean, so when, when we sin, something dies. Something happened, you know, so these prohibitions God gave for the king and he intended for them, for his king to adhere to those prohibitions. And uh, well, uh, we're going to go in some detail in just a little bit. But like uh, in the, the verses I just read in, in Deuteronomy, he said, and I, I got to think about that. I said, Lord, you know, why not? I mean, horses, I'm thinking, you know, no big deal. But when you think about the children of Israel, how often when they came out of Egypt did they use Horses for battle, horses and chariots and things of that nature. They normally didn't. Uh, let's look at uh, uh, in Psalms. I, you, know, you can turn. Well, I'll just read it. Psalm 27 says, some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. So when I look at that, you know, how all the other nations, they uh, trusted in their large armies and all these things. If you look at the history of Israel, you see many times when God defeated those people, it wasn't because of who it was in battle in that respect. It's because of what God did. And he would use those, uh, such as Gideon and his little 300 men. God would do those things. So now Solomon, 
uh, did what God said not to do. He told them specifically, do not multiply horses to yourself. Don't do these things. Do not go back to Egypt. And as we, and I'm going to show you where Solomon broke those prohibitions. Then I'm going to show you in the scripture where there's a result. Same with us today. When we violate the word of God, when we disobey God, there are results for our actions. Uh, this is uh, 1 King. Let's stay there. 1 King uh, 10th chapter. 26 through 29. Let's see what Solomon did. We read the prohibitions. I want you to see what they, what they were and so forth. And then we're going to see uh, 1 Kings 10, 26 says, Now Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen. And he stationed them in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common as stones in Jerusalem, and he made cedar as plentiful as sycamore trees that are in the lowland. Also Solomon imported horses from was, was from Egypt, and coup, and the king merchants procured them from coup for a price. A chariot was imported for, from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And by the same means, they imported, exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and to the kings of the Arameans. So, again, God told him not to do that, but he did. And, again, it's just like us. God will give us a command and say, and uh, I'm going to give you a few examples, but God will give us command, and for whatever reason, we choose to do something different. But I'm telling you, as we go further in the scripture, we're going to see the consequences of Solomon's, I'm going to go and say it now, of his sin. We're going to see what Solomon sinned, and we're going to see the consequences. But I'm so grateful that uh, when God say, don't do this, he mean exactly what he say. He gave those prohibitions to, uh, to Israel like, a long time before Solomon ever came on the, on the scene. Moses wrote him down. He, he, he wrote him down in his day. And yet we fast forward some years, and what does Solomon do? I often wonder, Lord, you know, Solomon was a wise man. Lord, why is it that he went into those endeavors? I think about that sometimes. But he was just like us. He was a man like us. So oftentimes God will give us, God give us his word. He gives us instructions. And for whatever reason, we may decide to do something different. But I'm telling you tonight, as being believers in Jesus Christ, we live according to the scripture. And I say this for all of us. When if God will, one of the things we'll see as we go further, how, how Solomon had, you know, many wives and, and what transpired and how we'll see eventually how his heart kind of turned from God. But we saw the prohibition. We saw what Solomon did. Now, let's go over to 1 Kings 11. I'm going to read through here. Then I'm going to kind of go back and just talk about these verses. And hopefully, they'll, we'll get what God is saying to us. just want to kind of lay a foundation to some degree. Solomon turns from God. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughters of Pharaoh, with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sardinians, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them. Nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sardinians, and after Milcom, the, the detestable idol of the Ammonites, Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David, his father, had done. Then Solomon built a high place for the Cheshmar, the detestable idol of Moab, 
on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem and, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but that he but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, because consequences now, because you have done this and you have not kept my command covenant, rather, and my statutes, which I have commanded you. I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I would not tear away all the kingdom, but I would give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So as we back up to 11.1, we see where the scriptures say that Solomon loved many foreign women. If you look at uh, early in Solomon's life, what did the scripture say about him? Chapter 3, verse 3 says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statue of David, his father. But for different reason, as we see, Solomon married a lot of women. It's obvious that he did that. Uh, Egyptian, young woman from Egyptian and all these very different nations. As you notice that in verse 2, it talked about how Solomon, it said that, uh, in verse 2, it said that uh, from the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel, you should not associate with them. You know, what happened is that when God told them, brought them out of Egypt and brought them into the land of Canaan, he listed, I think it was seven nations that they wasn't supposed to associate with. Well, some of these nations was in here and Solomon not only associated with it and went and married women from there. And as we're going to see how these same women going to turn Solomon's heart, that means that uh, and it, and it says again, he's clear. From the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel, you shall not. And I love when I read in, in the fire service, we have a term when, in our code books that we can we make recommendations sometimes. But when we say you shall do a certain thing, when the Bible says you shall, there is a command that God gave. And he told him not to do that. And what did he do? He went and did it anyway. It is no different from the day in our lives as a believer. The Bible t- c- clearly say that a believer is not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. If a believer in Jesus Christ go out and say, hey, I met this young, young woman or man, depending on your male, female, and, and I believe that God wants me to marry them. Is he or she saved? Well, I don't think so. Then you are not to marry her. The Bible is clear on that. If you shall persist and go on and do that, you will deal with the consequences. I remember some years ago, I was talking to a, a group of young guys, and this has been a long time ago, and I was discussing the same thing, and I heard one of the young men say, I've been going through this difficulty for 20 years now. And he did, he violated God's command when the Bible is clear on what God said. And that's what Solomon did. He told them not to associate with them. It's just not about marriage in that respect. It's any other association. I remember some years ago, I ha- and I shared this before, I had an opportunity to join with a guy and make a lot of money. And at the time, we needed a lot of money. We needed it desperately. I could have worked with this guy. He was making a lot of money. And he brought me, I, I spent one day with him. And in that one day, and he told me he was saved. He was living for the Lord, singing that promise keepers and doing all these things. I'm thinking, man, this is going to be great, man. I can, ooh, this is going to be good. And we get to our first client house, and he started 
cursing people out like a sailor. I'm thinking, wait a minute now, Lord. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And I'm thinking in my mind. And, at the, and I went through the whole day. I was mum. And at the end of the day, when I got back to the house, I told Roz, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I did not want to join myself with him. I observed. I saw the way he lived. If I would have joined myself with him, then he may have asked me to do unscrupulous things. I don't want to violate the word of God. When we violate God's word, no matter who we are, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter what, you will suffer whatever that consequence may be, whatever God chooses to do. It will be because the scripture is very clear. Solomon went and married and said he joined himself to them. At one point, the scripture said how Solomon loved the Lord as God. But yet his heart was turned and he went and joined himself. The Bible, I'll show you in the scripture where he went hard after them. It's like him chasing after them because his heart was turned from God. What make you think it can't happen to a believer today? If we take our focus, I was telling Roslyn earlier today, I said, Roslyn, I truly believe this here. Many Christians who kind of sit on the edge probably don't read the scripture like they should, probably not praying like they should, and all those things. Then something or someone come along and presents itself. And it caused you to begin to wonder, did God send that, that, that person or that thing in your life? It behooves us to adhere to what the scriptures say. The Bible says, that was uh, verse 2, he joined them nations God had a reason for not wanting them to be connected with those nations when they came out of uh, Egypt. And here this man, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm putting myself in that same position. I would never speak down on someone who may have sinned or whatever because you got to always think about yourself. I remember years ago, I was telling this story the other day. I remember many years ago, and some of you guys, probably, Eric, you probably remember, when the, the Jim Baker scenario, when Jim Baker fell by the wayside, right? And on national TV, we watched it. We watched another preacher get up and rail on him and rail on him real bad. And it wasn't that long after that, that same preacher they caught hanging out with prostitutes. See, we better be very careful, you know, or whatever we say, depending on our motivation now. You're going to someone because you love them and care for them. That's one thing. But to rail on somebody, remember, well, we could be in that position ourselves. But Solomon was married. He, it says, from those nations concerning which the Lord has said, uh, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you. For they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. So what is Satan's intent if we connect with a relationship that's not of the Lord? It's to do what? It's to turn us away from following the Lord. We'll see in the scripture momentarily that not only Solomon, his heart was turned, but the scripture will say that he stopped. He wasn't wholly following the Lord anymore. I've been up that road, probably talk about it a little bit. But in the, in the next verse, in the, um, let me read another scripture before I go on. And we saw what Solomon did as Roman, okay, Psalms 51. Okay. But in, he, uh, he turned after those other gods because he said here in the last part of verse 2, so it says that uh, you, he, about turn your heart away after their gods, it says that Solomon held fast to these in love. Solomon held fast to them, and he, he clung to them, you know, and that's what he did. And that is a sin that he committed, and that sin... Obviously, we'll see through scripture where it devastated not only his life, but the life of the nation. 
of Israel. Verse 3, it says that he's going to describe how many wives he had and so forth. So he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. What is this? When, when, when God gave the commandments, he said, he talked about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. He talked about not having no idols. And this is a man who was in prayer before God. This is God's man, you know. And I, I use myself for example. I've been here, you know, when my heart was turned and went a different direction. And I suffered and my family suffered because I violently disobeyed what God said. His wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. The scripture didn't say that he wasn't devoted. It says his life, he wasn't wholly devoted. I got to think about that. So, Lord, I, I, from experience, I kind of know what that looked like. But it's like a person that's, they come to church, they don't read, they don't really pray, you know. It's like the scripture in, in the New Testament talk about, like, uh, not being able to serve God and mammon. You know, you can't serve both. You know, be in other words, you can't be in partly in the world and partly serving God. Or maybe you could go through the motions. You know, you go to church, but you're really not kind of in the church. You're there physically, but your heart, though. See, it's our heart that God, you know, want to get a hold to. See, and Solomon was still kind of given, if you will, showing some sign of still serving God. But at the same time, he was trying to uh, please his wives. Can you imagine in a household that maybe all the, like, household idols that they had? He had to, so at some point he had to deal with all that stuff. But eventually they overcame him. I remember some years ago, thinking about this, I was debating that I remember what it's like not to truly, your heart, wholeheartedly follow the Lord. I remember back, oh, God, it's been quite some time ago. I was coaching basketball and I was doing a bunch of stuff. I think Jeremy was in the military at that time and so forth. And, uh, man, I was going all over the place uh, with basketball, Pastor Mark. We were in Orlando all the time. We were in Miami sometime. Uh, wherever else we went, out of state, we were doing all that stuff. And I'm doing that, which within, there's nothing wrong with that within itself. But what happened with me, I allowed that to supersede where I should have been. Like when a Sunday would come, instead of, I would say, I know what I'll do. Well, I go to Sunday school this morning, and then I'll take off and leave and go down to Orlando or wherever we were playing at, you know. So I did that for a long period of time. But my heart wasn't really into really serving God. And I didn't realize that slowly my heart was being turned from the Lord. Things start to happen, you know. I saw my attitude change. I saw even at work. Some of the guys said, man, you, you just seem like you just got hard against these guys. And then uh, I remember I'd be on duty, Pastor, read my Bible. Next thing you know, I'm asleep. You know, so basically when I, when the Lord started chastising me, because he did, I looked at my life, I realized how far I had fell away from the Lord. I realized how far I had slipped away from God. It was my doing. i tell you something, what I did, I fell on my face before God, and I repented, and I asked God to forgive me, and everything that was a hindrance to me, I pushed it out the way, because I didn't want nothing to separate me from the God I serve. When you are living for God and you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, we can't serve God half-heartedly. 
If you're not following hard after the Lord, Satan will try to get you to follow hard after something else, whatever that may look like for each individual. That's what Solomon eventually did. Because, again, I can only imagine, if you got all those wives and you try to please every one of them, how do you please God? How do you do it? When they're worshiping their God, their idols in your house, how do you please God? It's impossible. And eventually it's almost like he just gave in. You know, I've seen myself in that boat, just gave in to sin and living in sin and still trying to live for God at the same time. It don't work. It absolutely do not work. But, oh, what we serve a good God. And, I, I, you know, I'm just so grateful. It says that in the, um, in the fourth uh, verse, for Solomon was old, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David, his father, had been. For Solomon, didn't he go and talk about the gods he went after? I mean, you know, when you're going after something, it, it appears to me that he was the one that was doing the chasing after what he was going after. This is a guy who knew what the scripture said and said that you serve the Lord, your God, only shall you bow down to and worship and serve. But now he's going after idols to serve. God didn't call us to that. When you as a believer today, when you, I remember some time ago, Rosalind, a young lady that we used to work with, and I remember in one of our group sessions, a, a, a Bible study that we was having, she asked the question, how close can I get to sin? I'm thinking, you know, golly, if you're asking that question, you're probably already too close to sin. But the bottom line is the fact that, that when he started going after those other gods, and doing those things, he pushed God to the back, if you will, you know, and he, those idols replaced God. It was God that he was praying to. It was God who gave him wisdom. It was God that was working in his life. It was God that put the kingdom into his hand. It was God that did all these things, and now his heart was shifted, and the scripture clearly states that his wives, let me show you this, let me show you this verse right here. Look at Nehemiah 13.26 for just a moment. We'll come back here. Nehemiah 13.26. Nehemiah 13.26 says that uh, this is Nehemiah talking to the people. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin regarding these things? And what these things, what he's talking about. Let me back up to the 23rd so you can get the uh, context of what he's saying. The 23rd verse says, in those days, I also saw the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. As for their children, half spoke in the language of Ashdod, and none of them able to speak the language of, the, of Judah, but the, language of his, uh, but the language of his own people. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to their sons nor take of their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not, king of, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin regarding this, this thing, of these things? Yet among the many nations there was no king like him, and he was loved by his God. Loved by the Lord, Jedediah, loved by his God. And God made him king over Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign women caused even him to sin. Then what about, are we any different? (laughs) 
Are we any different than Solomon was? So I won't say these things to say, oh, boy, look at what he did. I'm saying, Jimmy Wiggum, you better be on your guard. You better always be on your guard. I, I was, uh, the other day I was at work, an incident occurred, and I wasn't on my guard. It didn't have anything to do with this, but it had something to do with my attitude. It was the way that I spoke. And I asked myself a question after this situation uh, was, was over. How could I have been a witness in that moment for an individual if I had the wrong attitude and I'm speaking the wrong way? I said, God, it's impossible, you know. So Solomon, but he sinned. According to Nehemiah, he sinned against God. And we're going to see what happened. When we sin, something dies. The wages of sin is death. So something will die. I'm talking about the believer. How do you have a relationship with God? How is your relationship cultivated with God if you're trying to uh, serve, in this case, idols or another God? Or if we replace God with something else, if it's us today, how do we truly stay before the Lord in prayer and we're doing something that we have no business doing? It don't work. It don't work. It just do not work. Fifth verse back in chapter 11, 1 King. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Saladians, and after Bilcom, the detestable idols of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This is the man who once upon a time he was really walking with the Lord in, in terms of his life. And he did not follow the Lord fully as David, his father, had done. And he repeated almost the same thing. But so that, in my mind, what I see is a, is a believer going through the motions of serving God. And at the same time, trying to please all those, in this case, all those wives that he got. And they want him to, uh, to serve their gods. And he bowed down to them. You know, when you read in the Old Testament, you'll see in, in, uh, that most of the kings from the, the side of Israel were the ones who was living all kind of uh, lives that wasn't conducive to uh, being, being a king, actually, or being a godly king. It wasn't that many on the Judah side. But in this case, Solomon, he, he blew it, in essence, and he set the bar kind of high. And, and, and the next verse says that uh, says Solomon built a high place for Cheshmoth, the detestable idol of Moab. Now he, he is, it was Solomon who did what? He built the temple for God. To do what? To worship in. But here he is now building uh, high places or some type of shrines and everything that where they could worship and serve their idol gods, referring to his wives, but no doubt him himself. And he's going to say, on the mountain east of Jerusalem, for Molech, the detestable idol of the, of the sons of Ammon. Also, he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. And this is what happened, you know, in his life. He went from here, bowing for the Lord, admitting to himself, I'm, I'm but a child. I don't have no experience to do what I'm doing. God used him mightily and... We, look at the pro- we looked at the prohibition that God set for the king not to do these particular things. We saw where he did all those things, and we see the results of it. You know, our sins always find us out if we're doing things that we should not be doing. Verse 9 says that now the Lord was angry with Solomon. Why was he angry? Because his heart was turned away from the Lord. And I, I won't sit and pretend like I don't know what that's like because I know when I, I allow all these other things to get in front of God, my marriage was suffering with Rosalind. 
I was mean. I was angry. I did not treat her right. I was doing all kind of things like that. Yes, I did those things. But I'm going to tell you, by the grace of God, I repented. I repented because I realized in my mind, nothing is more important than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing. And I realized that. And also, nothing was more important than my relationship with my wife. So I've been up this road in terms of allowing other things to cry out the God of the universe. See, if you say that you're serving God, you're living for God, you cannot, you may not be able, you may not be able to even associate with some folks that you might want to associate with. Now if they're trying to turn your heart from God. You get into a business relationship with somebody that's not saved, and I guarantee you, I know that, I know that some of us, I went into a business relationship with a guy one time. Robert says, Jimmy, don't do it. I think, you know what I saw? But I could make all this money. <laughs> it's the truth. She said, don't do it. But I said, Rosalind, I could make, you know, and guess what? She was right. <laughs> I failed miserably. It ruined our credit and all that stuff. Why? Because I enjoyed myself with someone. Do not go into a business endeavor in terms of you joining league with someone that's not saved. And even if they are saved, you better be making sure that everything is done like it's supposed to be done. Because if you go into any endeavor with an unsaved person, who do they serve? They serve the God of this world. What are they going to try to get you to do? A little fudging on the taxes don't make that much difference to them. Lying about the income don't make that much difference to them. But it makes a difference to God, though. See, that's why we have to do things like God said. That's why when he gives us prohibitions or commands, we are to honor him by doing what his words say. And if we don't, we will suffer something or whatever that may look like. And we see it in Solomon's life. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice. The scripture says, I mean, God appeared to Solomon. God talked to Solomon. He, he talked to him. He, he labored with him, so to speak. And he, and he gave Solomon uh, wisdom, how to judge Israel. He gave him what he asked for. Then he gave him, what, gave him what he didn't even ask for. And yet, God is now angry with him because of him turning from the Lord, his God. It says, the 10th verse, and had commanded him concerning this thing. It, again, God was clear on his command. He warned him about this thing. That's why the Bible say, again, I go back, I read earlier, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 4. These things that were written in earlier times for our instructions, Paul talking to the Corinthian church. These things, the things, what things? The things that were written in the Old Testament. It ain't there just to be there, but we have to adhere to the word of God. It says that, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. In other words, the command is there, and Solomon just said, oh, well, obviously, I'm just going to, you know, go that direction. And we'll see momentarily the results of that. So the Lord said to Solomon, here we go. So the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this, and you have not kept my covenant and my statues. Every time I read uh, in Exodus, when Moses started writing the law, all, and what the thought that comes to my mind is that God gave them laws for their good. Then God gave us the scripture for us to, to, to live by. It is for our good. So if the law was for their good, 
then when you violate what God said, you know, the promises I think in, in, in uh, Numbers or Deuteronomy, I, I know, I never forget, it's uh, the 28th, 14th chapter, I believe it is. But it was 14 verses on, on the blessings from the Lord and the remainder of the entire chapter, which is like up to about 70 verses, all about curses, okay? So when you adhere, in this case, to what God said, he talked about all the blessings that he would bring on Israel now. And, but then when they violated those things, he talked about the curses that would come upon them. See, that's why I say that when God give a command, he meant what he say, and he's serious about what he's saying. That's why I said, so the Lord said, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and you have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely, this is what the consequence is now. I will surely tear the kingdom from you. The kingdom that David was over, he said that I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. See? Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days. God still showing mercy for the sake of your father, David, but I would tear it out of the hand of your son. He could have did everything right then and if he wanted to. However, I would not tear away all the kingdom, but I would give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. They were a united kingdom, a united, if you will, and now they became a divided kingdom. And we saw what God said, because of your sin, because of you turning away, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of your hand. That's what God said that he was going to do. And we know that there was peace in Solomon's day. That's why he had, in, in peacetime, he was able to build uh, the, the, uh, the, if you will, he built not only his house, but he built the uh, sanctuary, the temple. He built, he did, Solomon had all kinds of building projects going on. And he was able to do those things because of the peace that he had in his day. But as we just read, God said, these are the consequences. And again, I go back and I use myself as an example. I saw consequences for my sin when I put basketball and other things ahead of God. I saw the results in my household. I saw things start to go just out of control. All kind of things was going on. And I repented, but nevertheless... The consequences themselves, <laughs> they still remain, you know. But I'm so grateful for being able to repent and so forth, you know. But because of Solomon's sin, the kingdom was tore from them. And remember, there was peace in Solomon's day. But now, based on the 14th verse in, in chapter uh, 11, it says here, Then the Lord raised up, raised up an adversary to Solomon. And again, I'm going to give his name, Hadath the Edomite. He was of the royal line in Edom, for it came about. And, and so he was the adversary that raised up. Then he raised up a second adversary. The 23rd verse says, God raised up another adversary to him. And they're going to give his name uh, Rezin. And then in the 26th verse, it says, Then Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of, of Zeradah, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zura, a widow who's re who, who also rebelled against the king. Isn't it amazing? We see from the beginning of his kingship how everything was great, hockadori. He was doing really good. But right near the end of his life, as an old guy, now these adversaries coming against him. But where did they come from? The Bible said God raised him up. He raised up adversaries against him. I'm going to tell you something. When we don't adhere to God's word or God's commands that he gives through the scripture and we decide to do something different, I'm going to tell you something. 
there are consequences for our sin. I would never even try to tell somebody what God's going to do. I have no idea. But I know this, according to what he said in the word, you know, think about David when David sinned with Bathsheba. Not only David committed murder, he, 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 he uh, slept with a man's wife. He did all this stuff. And the prophet came to him and told him that, David, you are the man. And, and the scripture, obviously, he repented. But the scriptures say that the salt would never leave your house. So then as we read on through the story, we see all these things transpired in David's house in reference to his own son trying to overthrow the kingdom, uh, Absalom, and then his daughter being raped, if you will, by his, another son. And we see all these things spiraling out of control. I can't even imagine what David must have been thinking. I often wonder, did he think about the sin that he committed, you know? And I often wonder now, like with Solomon, did he think about everything that he did and how he fell away from the Lord in terms of going after the other gods and his wives? Nehemiah said that he sinned and because of his sin. That's what sin does. Sin always destroys something. Today, in, in the time that we live in, sin is just a three-letter word. don't mean a great deal to folks. I ain't talking about unsaved folks. We know nothing don't mean nothing to unsaved people. But I'm talking about even the house of God. In some churches, they won't even say sin. They won't even use the word. They'll talk about, oh, he slipped or he messed up. I mean, that don't make no sense. You believe if you sin, you sin. That's the bottom line. Then you better repent for that sin. We see where God raised up adversaries against Solomon. I don't believe he had ever experienced anything like that because he had peace in his day. But now... At the end of his life, look what he got, adversaries coming against him. You know, that's what happened, I think, when we don't adhere to God. I said, Lord, you know, this ain't about Solomon per se. It's about all of us. It's about us living our lives according to what God said, because surely it can happen to us. I believe that God, everything in the scripture that we read, I believe that God put it there, that we can read it, that we can see it. If it's a warning, then so be it. If it's a prohibition about something, then so be it. If God said not to do nothing different from having your own children, when you tell them not to do something, you give them a command. Back in the day in our old neighborhood, uh, one of the boys in my neighborhood, his parents told him not to go out the house that day, and he was hard-headed, waited till they left. He went out the house with this area we used to call the rock pit. It was over near where Rosalind lived. And the rock pit was this big old pit, big body of water. Every now and then, I, I was there too, in fact, in some. We had no business down at the rock pit. That young man, he drowned that day. He died. He died. He died. He died because he wouldn't listen to his parents. They told him not to do that. You know, there are consequences for our sins if we sin. You know, for everything we do. And we, when we read this story about Solomon, we see. That's why I want to try to give, you know, a summary of his life prior to these things happening and how these women turned his heart, you know, you know from God and turned him to serving other gods and falling after other gods. And clearly... You know, God gave in the scripture and uh, when he gave in like Exodus 20 and 3, you should have no other God before me. Uh, Exodus 20 and 4, you should not make for yourself an idol. And as we see all those things that God said not to do is what he did. And I know that we're subject possibly to do the same thing. So I pray and ask God to give us ears to hear what the scriptures say and think about the relationships that we go into. Business endeavors, you know, no matter how good it may look. I, I, I would advise a believer never to go in, go in join, join yourself to an unbeliever in business or in a, a marriage because I've seen both sides, and I know in business it just don't work. It's impossible because that person's mind is on the things of the world, 
They're thinking about how I can make more money and do all these things. I don't care how nice the person may be and all this stuff. It doesn't matter. But what did God say? That's what we have to always ask ourselves. You know, I know how I feel when one of my kids disobey me and everything. You know, I know how I feel and so forth. And I can only imagine, you know, when we sin against God, the Bible said God was angry with Solomon because what he did displeased him. You know, we can please God with the way we live. The scriptures say Enoch pleased God. and He was not because he lived a life in such a way that pleased God. That's what he did. You know, so I pray that we uh, can glean something from this. I never, you never know where a person's life may be. We never know what one may be going through. But I believe that the scripture is a, is a cure-all for us, and we would listen to what God has to say through his word. So I do pray that, that you will, will glean something from the scripture tonight. Father, I just thank you so much for your love for us. A parent would be a terrible parent if his child is breaking every command and living any kind of way and the parent don't do anything and just kind of let it go, if you will. It'd be a terrible parent. But if we love our kids, we'll chastise them when it's necessary. Oh, God, you love us so much that you chastise us. Sometimes the chastening of the Lord seems to be extremely tough. Maybe it is. But I know this, that God chastises us in love because he loves us. And everything, even with tearing the kingdom from Solomon and everything that God did, God loved the children of Israel. He loved his people. He loved his king. Oh, Father, we just thank you so much. Just pray, Lord, for the body of grace here, Lord, for our dear brothers and sisters, Lord that you would help us to live in a way that will glorify you, Lord, and be on guard and be aware of our surroundings, the people we associate with, and all the things that we encounter every day in our lives. You're such a wonderful God, and we love you, and we bless the name of the Lord. Lord, help us to keep a humble spirit, Lord, to walk in humility, Toward you, Father, and to glorify your name, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.